Welcome to Maker Skills, exploring your internal toolkit with PJ, Tanda, and Tom. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 66. After a widely successful episode with uh, Mr. Izzy Swan last week, we've decided to just take this one right into the toilet straight off the bat. Our skill topic for this week is non-clamping. Um, this is partially non-clamping. Non so there, there you go. Something like that. Yeah, that's uh, th let's just let's just dive right. Tanda, up. What what skill class is non-clamping? Oh, I think non-clamping is a skill class too. Yes, there's no explanation needed for that. Uh, let's go right into history and fun facts. Tom, what what research did you do on non-clamping? Well, I uh, I googled non-clamping, the history of non-clamping, and um, well, Google banned me. I didn't know <laughs> I didn't know that was possible, but they they didn't even they just it just says. It didn't say 404 error. I've gotten that before. But it just said, you're an idiot. Uh, goodbye. Okay. That's it. I can't go to Google now. Well, then he's not going to be able to research anything for the rest of the show, which means we should have his undivided attention, Tanda. That's going to be a first. Oh, no. I'm on I'm on Yahoo. I just didn't do any research on Yahoo. Oh. All right. All right. Tanda. Do you remember Yahoo? Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. I still have a Yahoo email account. Yahoo's so. big back in the day. Of course you do. That's all I need to know about you. Yahoo. I had an original AOL account that was just my name, like at AOL.com. Oh, really? And that was like really cool. But then at some point they said, like, in order to like, you know, normalize our conventions for emails and stuff, you have to change your your name to something else. And it was like, well, that, oh. that was a bummer. It was no longer, you know, something that was just like, you know, my name at AOL.com. My very first email account was Yahoo, and that was my personal account. So now anytime I have any kind of personal thing I have to sign up for, I just dump it into that one because I like never check it. So uh, this is this is definitely non-clamping information. Definitely. Right. Exactly. We can talk about anything as good. long as it's non-clamping. <laughs> so, yes. so we're good. I think we're off to a great start with mm -hmm. uh, with our non-clamping non episode. Tanda, so what? What research did you do on non-clamping? Oh, non-clamping. Oh, I was I was going to talk about my email accounts, but I have my own uh, like business email, so I can set up names for whatever I want. <laughs> Excuse me, and uh, you know, and so I have like at Vanguard Tech, and and this is junk at VanguardTech.com, and so on. And then then when I sign up for things that I don't want to have my email, I just route them all to something silly. And then mm -hmm. I can look and see where that email spreads to. But uh, now I looked up uh, clampless, and uh, and I actually found a, a definition of clampless. And so there, you know, and I looked up the etymology of it, and uh, it turns out that clampless comes from the word clamp plus the word less, and uh, it's an it's an adjective, uh, clampless, not comparable. And uh, and it only has one definition, so that makes it easy. And that and it, and the definition is without a clamp. Huh? Yeah. And so who knew? Uh, yeah, I find and that so hard I to kinda, believe. Kind of dug into that. I found it mm -hmm. on on Wiktionary, cool. and so that's that's got to be like the definitive 
source for kind of what we're talking about today. Anything without a clamp. Wait, you you found is, it on Wiktionary? Is that like is uh, that like Wick? Yeah, Wic Wiktionary. Like uh, if you were to mate Wikipedia with a dictionary. Oh, I thought it was something like a website run by witches. No, 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 no. It used to be you'd get a set of encyclopedias. You'd also get a dictionary with them. Mm-hmm. And this is like now if you get a Wikipedia, you get a Wiktionary with it. Okay. All right. Yeah. Well, that's um, that sounds about right. Um, yeah. Okay. I mean, I found uh, some stuff on clampless and sutureless aortic uh, anastomosis techniques and stuff, too. But they, they didn't sound like they were really suitable for the maker community. Sounded like maybe you should have some, some training. That's that's more of the repair community. Found, what did you find? <laughs> What's that? He had an he had an end. To, his first heart surgery was an end to end anastomosis. Yeah. And then the second one, the second one, they filleted the whole arch and put in a bovine pericardium. Who, who, yeah, there, who was I this? mean, there's Clamps. some amazing. One of my uh, my seven year old, a friend of mine, uh, um, works in the industry where they use like this like kind of glue mesh stuff where they can do sutureless mm-hmm. heart surgery. And it's kind of interesting. Oh, it's like sutures. Yeah, it's like this, uh, yeah, like like glue-infused patch material for that sort of stuff. Huh. But, uh, yeah, it doesn't seem like the sort of thing you should be doing in your own shop, at least not without wiping off the top of your table saw first. Yeah, that's probably true. Yeah. Uh, uh, Tanda, that, that sounds like you would definitely need a clamp for that glue mesh. I mean, you definitely you don't want that coming loose. Yeah. yeah, you have yeah. a point, but there are people out there doing it. I wonder if that, uh, if that, if there, a dissolvable clamp exists, like for the medical field. If you need to clamp something and leave it in there, and then it'll dissolve later. If they have a dissolvable clamp, I don't well, know. dissolvable sutures are kind of clamps. Mm-hmm. Mm. I'd say so. Uh, we might be stretching it a little bit, but anyway, uh. I was that all your no, research there, Tanda, on the on the heart? Yeah, no, thing? that's pretty much all I have. Okay. Well, uh, I did uh, I did my research on non-clamping, and prior to the clamp we know with the screw, in Egypt, they started out by clamping things with weights, wedges, and wraps. So that those are those are the non-clamps. Those are the things that were not what we're used to seeing. Uh, Egyptian tombs uh, had the first illustrations of clamping devices and techniques uh, for gluing boards uh, by their edges. Uh, they were held by two vertical uprights, weighted down uh, until the glue set. Uh, if you needed more oomph, uh, the boards could be placed horizontally and then wedged in an upright position against a wall. And um, there was a wedging action that could become— clamping? It doesn't say what they were clamping. It just says how to clamp it. I don't think they had wood glue. No, they had glue. It says right here that they had glue. Oh. Egyptians probably invented <coughs> glue. They had all kinds of stuff. They were very advanced. Uh, they have a, a wedging action um, can be used uh, with bent sticks from opposed inclined planes. I don't know why they were dealing with bent sticks if they had airplanes that doesn't make any sense, but you shouldn't use an airplane mm-hmm. to uh, to glue things together. That's not that's not good use of. Any anyway, um, boards could also be bound with a cord 
Uh, you could insert a stout stick into the cord and twist it to add significant holding power uh, with very little need for extra space. So, so that was it. That was that was all I found on uh, on non-clamping. Um, the the rest of it includes screw clamps of some sort. Um, and the only little tidbit I saw that was kind of interesting was it was said that the screw mechanism was invented by I'm gonna massacre this name. It's Greek. Uh, Archimedes. Or no. <laughs> no, nope. It is not Archimedes. Archimedes got the credit for it, but it was actually invented by Oh credit's all that matters. Arditus. Arditus of Tarentum. Uh, who was a Pythagorean, Pythagorean philosopher and a mathematician about 400 BC. Um, and he was like over 100 years, like Archimedes died in 212 BC. So that's, that's like 180, almost 180 years prior. Um, but he didn't get, you know, it wasn't popularized by him. He's the one that invented it, but um, Archimedes took all the credit. So You know, I just want to say this is why even though someone on YouTube has already made the thing you want to make, you should still make it and make a YouTube video because you might get all the credit. Mm -hmm. That's that's true. You might be the Archimedes of... Mm -hmm. Yep. Yeah. Anything. Anything. River tables. I mean, you sh yeah, you, <laughs> you should yeah. probably do a treatise on river tables and what makes the best river table and the mathematics behind it. And then, then maybe you could get yes. credit for it. Yeah. Right. Or... Or some other guy will get credit, but they'll be like, but really it was Tom. I'll be that guy too. That's a cool guy to be. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So so no non-clamping superstitions. Everything PJ talked about was clamping. <laughs> what are you talking about? There was, there was no clamps. It was wedges and ropes and stuff. It was, it was kind of tourniqueting and yeah. stacking. This is basic, no, you know. A brace, a brace, band or clasp used for strengthening or holding things together. Clamp. It's the semantics, Tom. It's just semantics. Semantics. Yeah. Howdy, y'all. It's time for the 3D Filament Fandango. All right. You heard it, folks. Uh, there is no dealer's corner this week. Basically because I got robbed by somebody, and I'm not going to talk about it. Somebody snagged the deal out from under me, so we're not talking about that. We're talking about 3D printing stuff, and Tom looks like he's got something real important to say. Go ahead, Tom. What do you got? Oh, I do? Uh, I, I've i been making stuff. I got back on the bandwagon. I don't know if that's the expression, but um, I took about a month off of inventing and creating new, new designs, but uh, this week I've done like four. Uh, can I name them? Maybe. I made an SD card holder because PJ was making an SD card holder mm -hmm. and I wanted to do it better. And uh, I did. No, it. failed completely. Um, <laughs> Mine's better. No, well, I'm going to edit that out. Um, <clears throat> I, don't, I don't do the editing. Uh, <laughs> um, I also made... What else did I make? I'm looking around my desk now and I can't see it. What was the other thing I made? You, oh, the... I, well, I modified... I, I that, modified that puck thing. my that too. The radius jig, it's got a one, two, three, four inch radius, and you can it looks like a what does it look like? A cross? 
Um, a T across. It, it, it looks like one Kinex. of those 1980s boomerangs that kids could play that were made it out looks, of foam. Yeah. Oh, it does. It does look like yeah, one of those right. like four four wing boomerangs. Yeah. Or or the singular logo, if you remember the singular logo. Um, but uh, I made it better, and I also made it better for metal workers, which I wasn't considering before. JD did a video. JD was one of our guests previously. Um, he did a video using it. And I went, oh, I didn't even think about metal guys. So I put magnets in better places to make it make it better. So I did that. I also got back, oh, what'd you say? The puck pod. Yeah. I'm trying to make a puck pod. It's a hockey puck shaped thing that takes a GoPro on top of it. And it's magnetic and it's useful. But I'm having trouble printing two filaments on top of each other. I'm still figuring that out in Prusa Slicer. Anyway, moving on. The Rag Ripper, the bane of my existence. I I swear I've designed this thing 12 times, and I just got new inspiration. So I'm holding the prototype of the blade holding part. And all this is, is it's like a, a wall-mounted or workbench-mounted knife. That It's a folding knife. It'll open up. It'll face the ground, and you can take your rag, and you can run it through the blade and cut your rag in half, or cut it into little strips, or cut it into what it's, it cuts rags. Um, and it was an idea from Rafi. I don't think I'm going to remember his Rafi. I'm going to do it right now, right in live. This is live, people. Rafi Bernstein, Impressionist Fabrication. Um, he, uh, he basically clamps a razor blade into his vice for lack of a better explanation, and does it that way. And I was like, hey, I could probably make something that would suit your needs better. And I couldn't. I haven't been able to do it yet. But I'm working on it. So I'm getting closer. I, I, I find I think it... that's all I've got. How many of those have you made, Tom? How many different versions? I, I honestly lost track, and I've deleted... When I get frustrated, I just delete files. I just straight up delete them so I don't even try to fix them. I just get rid of them. It's got to be at least a dozen. So uh, I'm going to go out on a limb here just because this is the feeling that I have. By the time you actually get a working prototype, I feel 100% honestly in my heart that you will have made more prototypes than you will ever sell of this particular item. <laughs> Like, uh, well, I don't think yeah, that's probably. I don't think that's the point. But, but uh, yeah, I <laughs> yeah. thought you were going to say you will have made a vice with a razor blade in it. Yeah, that too. That too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I. Um, I think all yeah, I think a lot probably. of your prototypes were workable. They just weren't what you thought was ideal. Or is that true? They I mean, I've seen you. Well I've enough. seen you using them. What I've well, what I've noticed is this is the first thing that I'm putting something sharp in, and that like it's important to not make a piece of garbage so i'm just being very picky about how well it holds the blade and i've got a new way to hold the blade and so far so good like it's really strong so i'm hopeful that this version will work and um and do what it needs to but honestly i i just usually i can design something very quickly in a few hours and it's good enough to sell and i sell a few of them immediately and then, like, one a month. And I'm happy with that. That's why I want to make 100 things. Because one a month is 100 things a month. And mm. that's cool. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the goal. Yep, yep. A... So, this version's pretty cool, though. Um, I also started making a right-angle jig for 
my drill that clamps to the top of the drill where the handle would clamp to. You know that little handle that clamps mm-hmm. to your drill mm-hmm. that nobody uses? Well, I'm putting that area to work, but I don't think it's going to work. I really don't. I don't think you're going to get a 90-degree accurate um, surface. Uh, that that clamping section, that clamping space, is not like a machine surface. Not that it has to be perfectly 90, well, it's but really small I don't too, think right? we're even going to get close. I mean, it you could, you could make small, up for right. it with the print, no matter what angle it's at, but it's kind of small. To give you much holding power. Correct. But I'm still glad I went down this road because I think I'm going to make a uh, a depth stop with it. So using the same spot, mm-hmm. I'm going to clamp on a depth stop, basically a long rod that you can adjust. And um, uh, 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 Jacob Nose sent me... He So he works at Home Depot, but he works in the tool rental department i believe if i'm not mistaken Mm -hmm. and he sent me videos of every drill with a depth stop that he has like all the different models with uh all the different slight variants on how they designed it and it was so helpful um it's pretty easy so oh that's definitely interesting I i didn't realize that that was a popular thing on a hand drill i would say the bigger drills um probably for like concrete and stuff because yeah it's so slow and like you don't realize how deep you've gone and um i'm looking to do it for like more of the woodworker that you know puts a piece of tape on his drill bit and drills in this might be a little better but who knows it's it's again going back to the hundred designs idea it's an idea let's make it who cares about whether it's a good idea or a bad idea like it is an idea oh yeah so well just, and, and having made it, it right having made an attachment that attaches to the drill there you you probably spin off three other ideas that could attach that's mm-hmm. that's to, something to that you can you can mix um oh. mixed media tom like you should 3d print the holder but then you should like the shaft for the depth stop you could just grab like a, a, a bar of stainless round stock and use that and then yeah. print something for the end that goes around the drill, you know, around the drill bit as the. Uh, yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna print the rod. The rod will be metal. Yeah. Um. Um. I haven't decided what metal, but I even thought about doing hexagon. One of them uses a hexagon for some reason. I don't know if that really is necessary. Even, I forgot. I also made prevents a bit twisting. holder for my M12 drills. A little tiny bit holder that clamps or that screws into where the clip goes that I take off and throw in a box and never use. Yeah, even uh, so I've I've really gotten back on the wagon here, and I've like really been going at it, which has been fun. Even a little bubble, you know, like some drills will have a level bubble on the back of them, so you can see yeah. if it's level. You could you could yeah. make a little printed thing to hold a level bubble, and then you'd have to use a square or something to you know get it in the right position the first time. But then once yep. it's in place, uh, you know, and you've you've aligned it using a square or something, then you could just use it without having to have a square. You could just repeatedly use it, and it would give you the what a if, level bubble on a drill that doesn't have one. Yeah. Tanda, what if... Um, oh, a level bubble. I see. Oh, okay, so not a not a surface to ride against. No, just no. a just a, a bubble um, so that you yeah. can see if you're holding the drill level. I, and some I drill, do that. Some drills have that built in, but the, I mean, they, I'm just thinking of other things, just riffing on that idea. You can make one that screws into yeah, that yeah. hole. I have that 
Tanda, pretty good. What I did was um, my my discount store had like a bunch of bubble levels, the the round ones, um, not the straight line ones. And so I just grabbed a bunch of them, and on a couple of my uh, my Dewalt cordless, I just glued, I hot glued them onto the back, so that you mm. know when you're drilling. And down, then while the could, while the glue was still still squishy, you moved them around until they were level with the bit. Oh no, I was not that exact. I just glued them on the back. You know, it's, it's all for show. Oh. I, I don't actually. So you can them. be so you can be consistent. Yeah, your holes yeah. are all exactly the same amount out of level. Yes, they're all three yeah. degrees off. Okay, yeah, there you basically. go. That works. Um, but you I also, I found out that the <coughs> the window on the top of the drill, at least on Dewalt's, where it has the speed switch, so you could switch between high and low. Um, that little window is level. Uh, in line with the drill, and uh, you can take out the uh, the little vial, like the, the the line vial, the line bubble, that's just like a tube with liquid in it, mm-hmm. uh, and that will actually glue right into the the open window. Like you're not gluing it into the switch, but it it fits perfectly in that space, um, and it's sort of inset. I guess is the best way to put it. Um, so it's not like just kind of hanging mm-hmm. out. It's it's sort of so into in, there the are drill. like little ridges on the sides of that switch to kind of guide your finger to it. Probably when you're just blindly searching for it, and it, it fits it's, between it's, them. It's it's like a scalloped cutout in the body. Mm-hmm. Um, it 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 kind of goes in, then goes flat, then comes back up, um, and the the bubble. The, I don't know what those vials are, the bubble-level vials. The, it fit perfectly. It was like the exact size. Hmm. It just fit right in there. Um, and I had two different brands, and both of them were like the same size. So it must be some kind of industry standard. I don't know. But anyway, Could yeah, be. That's, Could be. I mean, if there's people a lot of are, things there. are buying them to make tools with or whatever, then uh, it's, it's quite possible that they've kind of arrived at a standard length. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. There are different sizes, but uh, I'm not I had really the majority of them were that size. I'm doing a, a great deal of 3D printing um, personally. I'm do, I mean, I'm doing some stuff for uh, some friends, like making a little clamp that clamps onto an armchair or onto like an Ikea chair to hold a mouse pad. So he can cantilever a mouse pad off of the edge of a chair because he likes to sit in a particular chair while using his laptop or computer on the TV screen. Um, and then uh, just some various, uh, brackets and such for work, but nothing, nothing all that interesting. I mean, it's just things to mate, mate one thing to another, to mount something on, on 80-20 that doesn't normally mount on 80-20 or to mount something on a, on a robot arm that doesn't, doesn't normally mount on it and prototyping some things that, um, I'll, I'll remake them in aluminum, but and sometimes it's just kind of nice to 3D print them and kind of get an idea of the feel for it and how it works um, as a um, some end-of-arm tooling for a robot before you actually tool up and machine it because it's something that might take three or four, five setups. So it's like a, you know, for me at least, it's an afternoon of machining and setups and figuring out how to set it up. And I can 3D print it and see if there's any um, gotchas before I start making it aluminum and find that. So that's kind of, in short, what I've been doing as far as, as 3D printing. I mean, you guys have me thinking about um, some interesting things with switching between the TPU and the 
PETG and PLA mm. and stuff that, you know, are like, well, that'd be interesting to explore. Like, not only printing different color filaments, but how do you set up and successfully print two radically different filaments as far as temperatures and and travel speeds and stuff? So that's that's interesting. And I know, PJ, you're kind of looking to explore some of that. Yeah, yeah. So um, like Tom mentioned, I made a, an SD card holder. I'm calling it the library card. The, the purpose of it is I have multiple... 3D design files for the printer, and um, for some reason, I, which I think is totally stupid, Creality will only give you 25 design files to choose from. And what I mean is, let's say you've got 40 files on your SD card, it will only show you 25. It gives you five screens of five that you can scroll through, and hmm. that's it. And I think that it's dumb. Um, but that's just the limitation of the printer for whatever reason. So this means I'm constantly deleting files off cards. Well, that's good so, to know. I, I would have hit that at some point, but I usually just delete old files and, and put them on an SD card. So you usually only have a handful on there at a time. But Well, what I did was I created a... It's it's roughly the size. It's slightly larger than an index card and just about as flat. It is a um, printed, um, I don't know what you would call it, but it has a row of five and there's three rows of card slots where you can fit micro SD cards in. And then each slot has its own letter so that you can you can actually write on the cards in pencil. It rubs off, but you know you can name them, so it's not that difficult. But the point is, um, you can have, uh, there's a, how do I put this? I have recessed ledges in the walls of the holder so that you can actually put an index card into the card holder. So it will hold an index card, and on there you can write like slot A, delta parts, slot B, Walker Turner parts, you know, slot. So every. You, you can write on the card what's listed on all the micro SD cards that the library card holder is holding for you. And, you right. know, if you if it changes, you know, you just you can actually put I haven't tested it to see how many, but I'm guessing you could probably hold at least five index cards in there and it would still remain flat. There's there's enough room in there, I think, for five cards. Um, and I have all kinds of features added into it to make it easy to use. Um, but as you mentioned, um, <clears throat> one of the things I want to do, which I'm not satisfied with, there is an exacting fit for those micro SD cards. And I, I've, I've gone from literally like 0.05 millimeters at a time trying to get it exact. And what I found is that depending on which plastic, which PLA, I'm not talking about different plastics just PLA mm -hmm. I've switched from one color PLA to another and just in switching colors it changes the size just by a tiny bit but it, it like it just it, I don't understand it if it's brand or whatever it is but um, when I saw Tom using the TPU and uh, I didn't know that TPU was flexible until Tom said it that it was elastic and I'm like man that would be great if I could print a TPU layer 
on the library card so that the slots were flexible horizontally. That would snug in the cards and it would be perfect. It'd have just enough give to keep it in there because it's like an exact fit, but a little bit of elasticity would help. Um, however, I don't have a fancy printer like Tom. I don't have a Prusa. And I went into the G-code options on the Cura um, slicer and it does not give me an option to change the temperature, which you have to change the temperature um, PLA generally prints good between 190 to 200, um, but apparently TPU is more in the 220 range, give or take. And based on my research and brand, but um, here's what I found, and this is what I'm going to try. I found that while I can't change temperature in the G code, what I can do was what I've been doing, which is change the filaments. I can put in a pause to change filament and retract it out. And what I found is when I change out the filament, as soon as it comes back to the print screen, I can immediately go into settings and I can change the temperature manually. And then it will have to stop and wait for the temperature to rise up. Um, so the only other little hang up is that uh, TPU likes to print slow at like at 40. Uh, millimeters per second or something like that or anyway uh, Tom says slower than that so there's gonna be a little experimentation there but in my mind um, uh, that's not a big deal I just set the whole thing to print at that speed there's more uh, retractions a big big difference too um, TPU is very difficult in the sense that I mean I have a Prusa and it did for me so I'm not saying I knew how to overcome anything but TPU is has a lot of like you should try and just get TPU to print on its own obviously to test I know you'll do that anyway but um, it's very different than most of the other plastics it sounds like it's going to be a ton of fun based on your facial expression pain yeah. in the <clears throat> yeah yeah okay yeah. so anyway uh, that is that is I yeah uh, no I'm don't that doesn't mean don't do it, just to be clear. Oh, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. It's going to be hard. <laughs> I, I found two different brands of TPU that are in Junk Hunter Blue. So I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, this, this is going to happen. I'm probably just going to buy one at first because I don't need – I don't think I need two of them. But, you know, anyway. So there's that. And then uh, the big reveal, which you guys will probably have seen a post about it by the time this comes out – uh, and the thing I've been teasing for weeks is that um, I have fully designed a upper bandsaw guide assembly for a delta 14-inch bandsaw. And it is uh, six parts that are 3D printed if you count the main body. And then um, I have upgraded some things. Uh, but it took me a while to get all of the hardware in. I needed to get specific threaded screw lengths and stuff like that. And um, I had to order a set uh, a bearing, you know, because it, it requires a bearing for the uh, the blade to ride against. But uh, everything is exact to the original parts, meaning that you can mix and match. You can swap out any of these parts with the original. You can you can use original parts with the 3D printed parts back and forth. Uh, one of the things that That's I awesome. did upgrade though is. Uh, I did not like 
the set screws on the blade guide assembly and also in the back of the assembly where it attaches to the shaft that moves it up and down. Uh, all those set screws required Allen keys. I hate that. So uh, what I did for the entire thing was I replaced the thumb screws and the set screws with socket cap screws and then I designed and printed socket cap knobs that fit on so, so snugly they don't need, I thought I was gonna have to glue them on they, they don't even need to be glued they're just a press fit in there and they're perfect and uh, I have uh, two different versions uh, one is like a round knob that it's not knurled it has kind of vertical slots in it but it's got like grip going around the circumference and then uh, the other knob is the Art Deco knob, or the mini Art Deco. I actually made bigger versions of this, but I don't think I'm going to sell those. I might change my mind. But this is a, a round button that fits over the socket head, and then it has a rounded, um, think of like a popsicle stick end, where it kind of comes out and then it rounds at the top. Uh, that's the general shape. But then on the side, I have three stripes that go up and over the entire thing to give it that art deco look and so uh the the knobs come in either black or red or if you're buying the premium version uh, you can get them in silver and then gem red so the button part will be silver and the knob part will be gem red that's the premium and then i did a, the same kind of version for the rounded there's also a two color rounded and I don't have prices for any of these things yet because I want to do it competitively. I got to look up what the metal components are selling for on the internet. But um, I did talk, I, I mentioned this a couple weeks ago in the secret segment. Uh, ben Wilson and I were talking about the 3D printed parts and how uh, replacing the pop metal that's on bandsaws, that's, that's they still use today, the pop metal that they, they cast these parts out of, that stuff cracks and shatters if you drop it. Like, it's it's not sturdy metal. Uh, this 3D printed stuff, while it's not metal, you could probably drop it like 100 times. It is never going to crack or shatter. The only way to really break these things is if you really over-tightened them and torqued it, then it will crack. Um, but if you're just using it normally, uh, I don't see any reason why this should not outlast the metal parts. And... Um, that's it. That's mainly what I've been working on as far as the 3D printing world goes. Nice. Yeah, and they're, I mean, you've been sharing some pictures, and they are nice. The one you just shared, I hadn't seen before you showed us um, on the podcast that's printed in the in the silver. And it's, yeah. it looks sweet. It It's a nice-looking assembly and an, a lot of work to make all of the bits and pieces. So I think it's going to be cool when, when those are out there mm -hmm. in the wild. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I think that it's the the silver one is the deluxe model. I'm gonna sell a a I'm gonna call it the unpainted version, which will be like whatever color I just happen to print it out of, um, which will be a little less expensive. It'll have the same functionality, it just won't look as nice. Um, but yeah, everything. If you get the silver one, um, I had this. I, had, I just took video today um, of it on the bandsaw cutting things. And it, it's there's no difference whatsoever. It, it is exactly the same in functionality. But the silver is, I think personally, nicer looking 
than the original metal because the original metal uh, gets sort of like uh, this oxidized, dirty gray look to it. And it just, unless you take it off and polish it, it just looks filthy like all the time. Um, Whereas the the silk, metallic silver plastic is never going to look like that. It'll never oxidize, nothing will ever, it'll always be the same bright color. So I think in a way it'll actually look better than the original. Um, but anyway, well, we'll we'll see. One thing one thing you might test, and this is probably an odd corner case, but there are probably some cutting fluids, WD forty or Tap Magic or something that might uh, deteriorate the plastic. So that might be an, an interesting test. And like I said, it's probably an unusual, you know, I mean, unless you're just getting really wild with spraying your cutting fluid all over, it shouldn't be a problem. But you might want to mm-hmm. test it just to just to see, just to head it off if it's a problem. I'm guessing that that would be an issue for the metal cutting band saws. I don't think anybody would do that with wood. Um, but, yeah, mm. probably the metal cutting, oh, yeah. that, that, that could sorry. be a thing. I'm always thinking, yeah. Yeah, um, so it's probably probably a non-issue. I, w- I would guess if you're using some kind of aggressive oil, that, that might have some sort of interaction with the plastic. But uh, I don't – there's – so many products out there to test against. Um, maybe I'll do a test when I actually get my my metal cutting bandsaw functional. Still not, still not running. Yeah, no. I, for some reason, I was thinking metal cutting just because mine's always all oily, but I'm usually cutting metal with it, so mm-hmm, mm-hmm. that makes sense. While I'm thinking of it, if you wanted to to open up the file and just poke values in, um, you can change your your hot end temperatures in your g-code file i think it's m m104 i think is the m code to change the hot end temperature and then it takes an s parameter so you could do like m104 and then s210 or whatever and it'll change your um change your temperature so you could do your printing in one material maybe move it off to the side and pause it and change your hot end temperature or your bed temperature, whatever you want to change, um, and then kind of have it automated. So you could, I don't know if your, you know, your slicer software will do it, but you could just have your slicer software pause or whatever you're doing now where it changes colors. You could do that same thing, but then you can just poke in, uh, I'm pretty sure it's an M104, and then S and the temperature, 210, and change the temperature mid-print. That sounds very complicated. I'm, I'm going to try to do it manually hmm. first. Wait, could you change all your settings that way then? Could you change your retraction? and? Yeah, I mean, you should be able to. I mean, you, right. your file, your G-code file from Simplify 3D or whatever you're using, it contains, like if, yeah. like if you set your temperature on the front panel and then you send it a file, a G-code file from Simplify 3D, it it will change, or whatever slicer you're using, it will change the temperatures and bed temperature and everything to what you set in the slicer. And it does that through, usually through M codes um, embedded in the G code. And yeah. uh, and I think M, M104, I think, is for the primary. I, I think there's an, M, there's an M109 that I'm, I'm just looking through some of my files um, that I've played with. And there's an M109 also, but I think that's like if you had a second hot end. Um, and then it looks like M140, 140 is the bed temperature. And again, you use an S, an S word in G-code terms. 
S60 or whatever your, you want your bed temperature to be. So you could automate that where it could, uh, I mean, you'd still have to, with most printers, you'd still have to then feed in the new material and all. So it'd be hard to fully automate it. But while it, while you were feeding in new material, it could be changing the temperature. Sidebar, Tom. That's interesting. Tom, yeah. sidebar. Um, Tanda keeps throwing out all these numbers and stuff like their nuclear launch codes, and I am I am not trying any of this stuff. I don't know why she thinks I'm going to do it. I am. There's no way I'm going to try that. There's there's just. Well, it's just. It's just. Uh, it's just G code M codes. Yeah, um, yeah it sounds like it's going to blow up my printer. I don't want to do that. Uh, no, 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 I mean, there's no explosives involved unless you added some. Did you add any? What if it overheats? I mean, that's she's if we, we got G code, she's telling me to use M's. Where are all the G's? That, that something's not right here. I don't trust anything that she's telling me right now. Well, the, the G's are there, but uh, but you need M's, you need M's with the G's. There's other letters too. Do you want to get into that? Wait, 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 is this is all this from GM? Is this is this car manufacturing? Is that, is that what we're talking no, about? No, we can't. We can't. No, uh, council said not to oh. bring that up. So oh, oh, okay. We'll this part <clears throat> All right. Uh, yeah. Mark the we, stamp. We, okay. Yeah. Okay. Timestamp. Okay. Uh, we, we won't. We won't talk about that. Oh, it looks like looks like Tanda's mumbling something about G's again. Tanda, uh, all I can say about the G's is Jesus thinks so i don't know i have nothing i've got nothing for g's G whiz. i don't know yeah you got it that's uh she's a g whiz the g whiz yeah, yeah. oh there, there's very yeah very useful tools called g wizard online yeah there is isn't there yeah i'm googling it now. i think I'm i stupidly surprised. paid for it twice i am not surprised at oh, all oh people um real quick no one no one google g space wizard it's not it's not what she was talking about we'll we'll get the link for you <laughs> wait 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 there's a website for space wizards i want to see that nope nope we're not gonna nope it's definitely not a space wizard uh, i'm gonna need to send an email to the fbi just let them know i bet you're fixing to find your own friend angle ain't you all right, it's time for personal history. Tom, what's your personal history with non-clamping? I don't think I've ever non-clamped. I've always been an advocate of clamps and clamping. Um, let's see. I mean, if you count standing on a 2 by 4 while my father, father cuts it, but I was the clamp. I mean, I... I became the clamp. Mm, human clamp. So that's not non-clamping. Human clamp. Well, that, that yeah. I'm still failing to grasp the concept of non-clamping. Kid, kid clamp. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Toddler clamp. I rode a bike. I rode a bike once. That was non-clamping. Oh no! You no, were I'm firmly sure. clamped to the ground by gravity. Yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah. It just yeah. it was rolling. I did resistance. have an idea for a non-clamp once. Um, I don't remember where this came from, but. The idea of clamping something together that's very large, like a like a really big table with that's like ten feet wide. I don't know. Something ridiculous. Something that you don't have a clamp for. And for whatever reason I spent my precious minutes on this earth thinking about it. And I thought to do it on the garage floor 
against the wall. How did I do this? Ah, I think I was going to use the car. I was going to put like a 2x4 down and use the car, like drive the car onto the 2x4 as one of the fences and then the wall of the garage as the other fence and then do one of the, like invert the clamps to like spread them out, not clamp them together, but you can like flip a flip the clamp around and it'll act as a spreader and press against the 2x4 against the work and then you can clamp almost any size. It sounds like a possible. genius idea, Tom. How did it how did it go? How did it go? No, I didn't do it. I just thought about it. And then I shared it with dozens of people on my podcast. No, so you just thought of this. No, I thought no, this is, I honestly thought about it probably over a year ago, and I don't know why it's still hanging around. I really don't. I don't know why this tidbit of brainstorming has lasted this long. Well, I, I don't Tom, know. I suppose I mean, that's, that's not a bad approach. I mean, just basically invert your clamp and use it to press outward. And then you right. can use a two-by or a you know long piece of, of pipe or whatever to just or, – or some immovable object. At the car. The car and the wall. And then just car use clamp. the clamp – as a, way, as a way to take up the space. Use it as an adjustable wedge to just take up that space and push one thing against you know the else, other. You know what else you could do? All right. Um, two two-by-fours. And if you're clamping something, you can clamp something between your axles. Okay? <laughs> so you put, let's say you have a rear-wheel drive car. No, follow me, follow me. You have a rear-wheel drive car. Right. And... You put, you ride the car, the front wheels, you ride it up onto a two by four. Okay. You put your work in between the axles and then you put however many, you, maybe you need some spacers to take up more space, but then you put like a two by 12 under the back wheels. Right. And spin them together and spin the and back spin wheels. spin them to, to clamp it. <laughs> yes. This sounds like a great idea, Tom. It might be, it might, it might be easier to do this a front wheel drive car, flip the boards around <clears throat> and, uh. Pop, you know, pull the e-brake and then drive forward, and it will clamp it. It will clamp it. It will work. Yeah, we have the technology. Yeah, because then you have your independent uh, rear brake with the e-brake to exactly. hold on to that board. Exactly. Yeah, that's that's a good variation. Duh. You get it. Yeah, yeah. You get it. You get I I, I kind of want to try that. I'm I'm going to go buy a, a front wheel drive vehicle and give that too. a try. <laughs> you know, maybe you I could just rent some. One. Um, that that would work. I'd, I'd... A car. I yes. could rent one and do it right there in the Enterprise lot. <laughs> no miles. So no I don't get any extra, extra miles or, or you need to you refill need the to tank or like, anything. You might need to put like traction, that like traction paper, that tar paper, traction paper stuff. Like, uh, like, like bathtub, like, like bathtub treads. stickers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You put that on the board so you get a little extra traction. And maybe you do it in the winter so you have snow tires. And, uh, well, you don't have snow. Never mind. You don't know. Oh, we're we're are. about to have like three or four inches of snow tonight, probably. Are you really? Yeah. Did you stock up? Are you gonna die? Are you guys okay? We're supposed to be. We're supposed to be. We're supposed to be okay. Uh, you know, to like. Uh, Does New Mexico get snow regularly? To, to go sorry. out, but you know, by Thursday the storm's supposed to be over. By starting tonight, it should oh. be pretty much done by Thursday. Oh. Hmm. I'm glad we're talking but only, about the weather. But only like three or four inches here where I'm at. Much, much more in the mountains. Okay. Uh, so by the time the show airs, Tanda will be underground. Like the snow will have covered her entire yeah. shop, basically. 
Thanks for being a part of our show. We'll miss you. We'll miss yeah. you. Tana. It probably will have covered the entire shop, but Does only only like plows? three inches deep. What's that? Does your town have snowplows? Does your town have snowplows? Oh yeah, and sanding oh, okay. sanding trucks and stuff. It's not. So it's I, not we, like we get snow. Down south. We get snow every year. Oh, you do. Yeah. All right. I don't know anything about New Mexico. Yeah. Or lots of other things. Yes. Did yeah. PJ go yet? No. Did anybody else go? Just me? You letting me ramble about my car clamp? Well, yeah. I figure we take enough enough time, then PJ will just say, "Oh, let's just move on." Yeah. Yeah. Let, let's so, move on. Tanda. Tanda. What's your personal <laughs> history with non clamping? Oh man, I used the wrong phrasing. I should have said, let's just move past. Move past Tanda. <laughs> um I don't I don't know if I've had any uh any brilliant uh you know non clamping clamping ideas. Um I've I've used a lot of uh you know, kind of tourniquet style or rubber bands and, and kind of creative ways to hold uh, rubber molds together just because they're difficult to clamp sometimes because they're weird weird shapes and a little tip there is if you have like say you've made a box mold like you've just poured uh, material over something in a in a box shape and then you cut it to make two halves of that box um just wrapping rubber bands around that box to hold it together when you're done is probably not the best idea it's better if you can kind of add some spacers into that to make the rubber bands kind of go around like like it were to have rounded edges. Because if you just wrap rubber bands around two halves of a, of a box that say that you've cut open in the middle, then it puts all the force on the edges and the inside tends to open up and you get big flashing lines. But if you... Um, if you can pour it in something round, like a, a cup or something, and then your rubber bands provide nice even force as you split it apart. But if you can't, and you can add some little spacers of some kind, so the rubber bands are, uh, I don't know if I'm how well I'm describing this, but the rubber bands aren't just around a rectangular box. They're kind of stretched around something round out in the middle. So make make your... Add some curves on the sides of your top and bottom of your square box to wrap the rubber bands around so that it provides even pressure across it. Probably not making any sense whatsoever. but I'm That's kind of solid playing. advice, Tanda, solid advice. <laughs> Tom and I understand exactly what you're talking about. Yeah. That's, that's, yeah. Um, I was thinking the same thing. Yeah, yeah. I'd maybe go, uh, go watch uh, uh, a mold clamping video by... Uh, Robert Talone or something, and and you, then you can see it see it happening. But uh, that's good. Hmm. Um, I'll do that now. A, a good approach. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, I suppose there are all kinds of things you could use that are not traditionally clamps. You could just wrap something in rawhide, wet rawhide, and then give it a little time, let it shrink up. You clamp something pretty good like that. Mm. It's good for making dog toys. Yeah. Yeah. Hundred percent. Well, um, that sounds like a lot of uh, New Mexico techniques, and you know, we're, I'm sure a lot of people are unaware of those, and it's good that you share them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it, a lot of people don't even realize we exist as a, as a state or as part of the United States, so it's good if we share tips and, and people can trace them back, back to New Mexico, and it, it helps. I mean, <laughs> the, the Tourism Bureau actually uh, you know, kicks in a little bit of extra if I mention that. 
Oh, uh, that's wishful thinking, but more than likely it'll be archaeologists <laughs> that trace it back to you, Tanda, you know, sometime in the distant future. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh that's probably right. Probably right. But uh, was that uh was that all your Yeah, your I think I'll stop history? there. I think I'll stop there so that you have plenty of time. I don't want to cut into your cut into your time. Oh. I don't I don't think that's possible. Uh I have extensive non-clamping experience that I'm going to talk about right now. Uh, all of my non-clamps are called vices. I have a lot of them. What? And I actually... A clamping? No, that's, no, it's not a clamp, Tom. It's a vice. Clamp is so, different. Oh, it's not so you, so you say I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to vice these together? Yeah, yeah. That's basically what I do. I know. I'll just vice these two pieces of wood together. Yeah. So I, I, you know, um, this is kind of fun for me. Uh, Unintentionally, I I set this up. Uh, All of the really nice vices that I've painted with, like, um, special paint jobs or I've done artwork on are in my bedroom, which is where the 3D printer is. And... The knobs that I made to go on the socket cap screws for the bandsaw guide assembly, This, what I'm finding out is the knobs are, of course, all identical, but the socket cap screws are not. Even though they're metal, there is slight variations in each cap. So sometimes the knob will just pop right on, and other times it'll only go on halfway. So what I've been doing is using the vices that are in my room set up on display to to actually pop these caps onto the socket head screws. So I'm sitting there clamping these things with the vices to get them to to seat, and that was never my original intention. Like, these things were never, ever meant to be used. But I've been using a baby, uh, a Wilton baby bullet vice that I've painted up like a galaxy with planets and stuff all over it. Uh, that's what I've been using to set all of the, the knobs. So I've been I've been clamping with that. Hmm. Yeah, it can be it can be annoying. I was just uh, reassembling some stuff at, at work, and for whatever reason, there were like a handful of of socket head cap screws that I mm-hmm. had to tap the correct Allen key into. You couldn't just put it in easily. It would yeah. fit, but you kind of had to tap it down in there, which was annoying. Yeah. I don't understand that. You would think that that would be pretty standard, but um, but it's not. The it's and it's inside and outside. The inside diameter and the outside diameter of the socket cap change just ever so slightly. Like I I measured it. Um, I actually bought two different brands. I have uh, two. I have three different sizes of socket cap screws. Two of them are the same brand, um, and they're in stainless. And then one of them has that black oxide coating mm-hmm. on it. Uh, all the same head size, but the black oxide was uh, 0.17 difference in size millimeters. 0.17 millimeters difference, like it was wider. And at first I thought I was going to have to actually make new knobs but then i just tried a couple different knobs and one of them popped on and i'm like oh i guess i'm fine my tolerances were were good enough so but that's it that's all i got that's all my non 
non-clamping experience. I don't, I don't, I don't use any other non-clamps. Just vices. Well, that's that's good. I, Sorry I think it, it was as as good as uh, what Tom and I came up with. <laughs> and and for those who have stuck with us this far, um, we usually give our guests <laughs> the uh, the the chance to come up with the idea for the next show. And uh, and Izzy said clamping, which was a great idea. Um, and I figured we just run with that. But but we already did an episode on clamping, so I foolhardily suggested we just do not clamping, and uh, and and it stuck. Yeah. So here we are. Yeah. yeah. Kind of like the bricklaying episode. Yeah. 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 Seems to be like there's there's going to be a lot of those in the future. I get the feeling. <laughs> Second turn, I think it's time for one of them old timey commercial interludes and stuff. Hello, this is Chet Dennett at Johnson's Hardware. Do you find that you never have enough clamps, or maybe you need to clamp something that can't be clamped? You need some sort of alternative. Let's call it a non-clamp. Well, Johnson's has just the thing for you. Introducing Johnson's Gravity Clamp. This fantastic new tool, which is 4x8x12, comes in a variety of colors from red, yellow, to white and brown. Can be used indoors and outdoors, totally waterproof and heat resistant. Now, I must warn you, Johnson's Gravity Clamp is heavy is a choking hazard and may cause blindness. You can buy one for $5.92 or buy a box of 10 for $46.87. You can find it in our brick aisle. You can buy your own set of gravity clamps at Johnson's Hardware via patreon.com forward slash makerskills. What the heck, Nabbit? I need to get me one of them. Anyone know what street Patreon is on? I need to go. All right, now the segment everybody's been waiting for. It's time for crossbreeding. Tom, what skill goes well with yep. non-clamping? I'm going to have to say clamping. Okay, yeah. Tanda, what skill goes well with non-clamping? Oh, this one's this one's pretty straightforward. Anything. Anything but clamps. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Um, I can't argue with that. Uh, my my answer is um, is driving because I don't know how else Tom is going to get his car to non-clamp something if he couldn't drive it. So that's that's my answer. Is driving took all these episodes, but you finally probably, nailed probably it. best yeah. if you have a little well experience, whether you're licensed or not. Because I imagine putting like a six-year-old in there while you're holding the oh, clamps and trying yeah. to describe what to do to make the car clamp not could a good end, idea. Could end poorly. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's definitely a bad idea. So, um, so yeah, driving, driving is my answer. <laughs> this is the shortest. I think we we all gave up on this. Mm, this was made on the fly. I hope you like it. <clears throat> so. All this talk about non-clamping is reminding me of that time we broke a Guinness World Record by making the... Well, the record was for the largest s'more, but in order to make the largest s'more, we had to make the world's largest clamp. And uh, that was... That wasn't easy. Uh, who Whose idea was that? Mine. Was your idea? Uh-oh. Okay. Yeah, yeah, I think it, it, I think it was 100%. I think it was Tom's idea. The, I mean, it just kind of fell out of 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 a need 
to to clamp this more. But well, uh, I mean, I, I, I okay. Let me give a little background. I was the one that found the company that was willing to manufacture the the correct. Well, we gave them specifications for the graham cracker, and these graham crackers were massive. Um, we decided not to do full full squares. We did the the rectangular, but I, I want to say. The specs I gave Which them. Which I was against. Well, yeah, record. I know Tom. Tom voiced his opinion. Uh, they were roughly about. This is why we didn't get the record for the biggest s'more, by the well, way. Well, we we did we did get the record, but we it got was a for, record. Though yeah. the good thing though is we we got a record. So right. the graham crackers were twenty feet long by six feet high, and there was just no way without a clamp we were going to be able to squish all of the chocolate and marshmallows together. It wasn't that critical to see the chocolate and marshmallows. We just used regular ones. We used a lot. But the the grams had to be one giant. So we had to have something to, to sandwich it together. That's how the s'more gets made. But but um, mm-hmm. who I know, Tom, what, what gave you the idea to dig the hole for the clamp? <clears throat> well, it was just, it was... Um logistics really we we ran out of ladders early so yeah yeah i mean i think that i think that was uh again just a matter of necessity i mean we couldn't we we had to get the the grams at ground level because when we unloaded them from the truck that's that's where the first one was and then by the time we added chocolate marshmallows and a second one it was getting up way too high if we raised that whole thing up. So, I mean, the idea of, uh, um, you know, of just, just sinking the clamp down, or at least the bottom of the clamp, was uh, was just a reasonable reasonable approach. I mean, the crazy, right. the crazy thing the was the way we came up with the clamp, the whole idea of, like, I don't know, picture like this iris mechanism like you would find in a camera, um, with with wedges all around it, so that you know as the iris closes, it drives wedges in toward the center, like the iris becoming smaller, which was perfect because it was nice right. even clamping all the way around. But it was, I mean, it was huge. So, you know, back to the cars. There there was a car tied to each leaf of the iris with a chain, and they all drove in a circle around the iris to pull the leaves of the iris in therefore driving the wedges in and making the clamping accent so i mean it it worked really well after it, after it, we rented all the cars in town it, it it did work tanda but i mean making a 60 foot clamp i think was a little overkill i mean we did get the record for it i mean i i, well, I, I give you that but you know i think we could have been a little well, more efficient with the materials i mean the the previous record was was twenty feet. We didn't we didn't have to get to sixty. I mean, we could have just done like twenty two. Right. Feet. I mean, to be honest, we 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 didn't even need that big a clamp for the graham cracker. But but we kind of got off on a tangent with the whole clamping thing. And then well, once we decided to we use cars, to... we had to make it big enough to allow for all of the all of the cars. Right. Mm-hmm. To be to be honest, we didn't even need a clamp. That's actually why I thought of digging a hole just to bury the thing but 
I didn't, I didn't want to say that when we were there. Yeah. I wanted to be positive. Well, I thought I thought we kind of needed a clamp because because PJ doesn't like melted chocolate. He just likes like solid chocolate. Oh, yeah. And so the top annoying. and the top was kind of slipping around, which would be perfectly acceptable for a s'more. They would have let us in on the records, you know, no problem with that. But PJ wanted it to solidify, and while we mm-hmm. were waiting, the top mm-hmm. was getting a little squirrely without clamps. I, you know, I'm going to revoice my opinion. I, I mean, we went with your idea, but I still feel like instead of making it horizontally, we should have put the s'more together vertically. I think that would have made it much easier. We wouldn't have needed the ladders. Uh, we could have dug a hole just to get it down to where it was like at half half level, so it wouldn't have been that high. And we could have just squished everything together with like a a, a giant set of parallel wood clamps. You know, we wouldn't have to make that fancy iris mechanism, which which took us about eight months to make. I mean, that thing was super complicated. All those German engineers that came in to help us. I mean, we spent a lot of money. You know, it's it, he's not wrong. He he's not wrong, and that was part of the problem. We had to use Audis. I I don't know why, but every car had to be an Audi. Mm. They, insisted. They, yeah, they insisted. They they said it was something to do with the four wheel, all wheel drive, something traction torque per to iris. thrust ratio or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't yeah. understand it, you know. But at but least they were, point. you know, they were nice looking cars. Yeah, I wish you would have brought it up at the time because we were digging a hole anyway. We could have stood them up like a, you know, like a monolith. Yeah. Know? Maybe yeah. like like an Easter Island head or something by just tilting it over into a hole and then backfilling the hole. Well, I, Although I that thinking, could make the s'more taste a little funny. Yeah, I I didn't really want to do the monolith. I wanted to lay it down long ways because I was, you know, once you got that hot chocolate and the hot marshmallows in there, I, I just it, it would have been so hard to keep them in. You know, like if it was laying down long ways, it would, you know, at least we could have put like some some I don't know some kind of like plywood or something on the edges to keep it from spilling out into the dirt. Ugh. You know? S'more forms. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. that that made more sense to me. But we had already put the proposal in and gotten three grants, and you know, the Guinness people were like, you know, oh, we think is about this idea. now. I mean, the graham cracker already had the little holes in it. We could have yeah. just put the tie wires between the holes in the graham cracker and done it like a big concrete form. Yeah, yeah. we already had the marshmallows coming in in concrete trucks that have been repurposed for marshmallows. Yeah, I'm surprised no one thought of that. I think that we got stuck in one direction, and then it was just too late to turn back. Those drivers well, were we those drivers were stuck. sure surprised, though, when they arrived. Because they just, you know, they got a load, and they had a delivery address, and they got there thinking it was probably going to be concrete, and then this white foam cart starts coming out of their truck. You know, three of them shut it down, thinking there was something amiss with the whole, the whole thing. I still like the cement trucks that were full of chocolate. I didn't know you could heat those up. You know, heated cement truck to get the liquid shot. That was, I think that was the most fun because those guys were not used to that thing. It spilled everywhere. And they were used to that cement, which is a lot thicker. But that chocolate was like, I don't know, it looked like the cement truck had the runs or something. It was, it was nasty. It was so nasty. Yeah. 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 And just dri- driving down the road with the, with the charcoal burning underneath the, underneath the tank back there. It was, it was, it was fun to watch them show up as well. Everything but it, but it added like to the whole, it added to the whole theme because it felt like you knew you were at a campfire. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those were the days. And, except for the one that, that caught on fire, the whole truck. Then we it don't talk about that. It smelled like tanda. a campfire anymore. Tanda. 
Mm-hmm. We're not. Oh. the council said we're not supposed oh, to talk yeah. about that one. Yeah, um, no, it's a good thing. <clears throat> excuse me, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. None of the trucks caught on fire. Yeah, that you, was. You we were very that fortunate in the, in the edit. Yeah. Yeah, we're, we're lucky. No one, no one died. Oh, those at, tires at all. Were smelled awful. Yeah, yeah, it was pretty bad. Sure, they made something. They made it all up. All right, it's time for short and sweet. Tom, do you have anything to wrap up the show? Uh, I made a I made a tool while we were talking. <laughs> I have an exacto knife, like the stereotypical exacto knife. It's just like a round pen with a blade coming out the end. And I took a chunk of clay and formed it around my hand. So now I have a uh, if I ever have um, arthritis in my right hand, I can still use an exacto blade. And you always need a you again. always need a prompt for a new invention. And uh, I'm going to let yeah. listeners in on a little on a little secret. Prompts, Tom's prompt today was no doubt, and I'm I'm guessing here, but you can you can correct me if I'm wrong. Was that he was told before the show stop stop putting things together on your desk and fiddling around with. Uh, with things that make noise because then it makes the edit a pain in the ass because there's all this clicking and rattling and, and Tom exactly. not being able to not do something in the middle of the show said, clay, I have to make something with quiet clay. You Tarantino that thought process. Oh, That's yeah. awesome. Oh, yeah. I like it. Yeah. So my guess is we're probably going to have the noisiest clay ever recorded on a podcast. <laughs> I'm just putting it out there. It's crunchy clay. Crunchy clay, it's yeah. It's probably made clay. with pasta. Yeah, so. um, well, Tom, uh, I hope that uh, you sell a million of them. That's, uh, that's the best I can give you. So. Oh, this one's just for me. Uh, well, uh, I do have to get into silicone molding, though. I think that needs to happen. I think the, that uh, would be the way to go with that. that yeah. I can't print. Yeah, I think that'll uh, be my, my short and sweet. A um, couple good ones for that are... Um, Robert Tolone and uh, mm-hmm. the Craftsman, C R A S S Man, Craftsman. What is those what are both is his? So I've been watching him a little bit. What's his shtick? What's I, is that really his normal speech pattern? And like, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Him? I th- I don't know because I mean, even when he's done, an act? like he did an episode that you know said I've been away for a while. I had had to go, you know, get some things checked out. I mean, it's, he still uses that same voice. So it's, it's certainly, you know, his, his deal for that channel, whether that's how he talks all the time or not, but, right. Um, cause it was in the same, same voice and everything, but, he's, but it's he's, good. He's I like mean, he makes uh, a lot of cool little figurines and stuff and gives some good tips. Totally. Yeah. He's, he's the Christopher Walken of, uh, of crafts. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that's that's the way I look PJ, at it. PJ, what do you got? Um, I, I don't have much. I don't have much. That's um, it's been Perfect. it's been a it's been a. It's the theme of the show. It's been a non-clampy week. Yeah, I'm still. I gotta be honest. I'm still a little a little miffed. I I wasn't gonna talk about it, but I decided I am. Um, the thing that I didn't get, and that's why we didn't have. <laughs> A, we didn't have a dealer's corner. Dealer's corner. Yeah. Well, I found on on 
Facebook Marketplace a 14-inch Delta bandsaw with a cast iron base that was two hours away for $100. And I caught it at 59 minutes. And I sent the guy a message and I said, I'll take it. And he said, it's already pending. Like it was a death sentence. Yeah, yeah. So I was uh, I was super bummed. That kind of um, that kind of just ruined my whole week. Gotta be honest with you. So I don't have anything else. That's it. I don't have any short and sweet. But it's okay though. There's more weeks. There's you can. Ha- I'll give you another. That's week. true. Yeah. And two hours away. There's no telling what could have happened. You could have slipped on a chicken on the side of the road, run off that into a tree, very likely. Yourself. Yeah. yeah. Slippery chickens. Could, could have been yeah. hit with a chicken chickens, tree. Chickens are slippery. Yeah. yeah, that that also. Notoriously. Chickens like to throw eggs, so I could have got hit by eggs. Uh, and any any of those things are possible. So, um, but yeah, maybe next week I'll get two of them. Who knows? So, but what I I do want to know, and what uh, what I want to tell you right now, which is coming out super smoothly, is that I want to thank our Patreon supporters, our very own Tanda. And uh, Creator Nader, who are our top Patreon supporters. We've got other Patreon supporters. But um, it's not the week to tell, you know, to give you all their names. I don't know. Because I'm under contract here. i got to wait until it's like a special day. But I want to thank them anyway. All you guys that uh, support us, listen to us talk about nonsense every week. And, um, you know, we're going to go do the secret segment. And... Uh, it's going to be a doozy because it's it's one we've never done one quite like this before i gotta tell you so if you're missing out um i'm just letting you know you're missing a lot thank you for listening to this episode of maker skills if you should need more skill information you can find us on instagram at maker.skills you can also email us at makerskillspodcast at gmail.com you can find me at PJ Galati, son of the junk hunter on Instagram and YouTube. You can find Tanda at Tanda Madison on Instagram. And you can find Tom at Infinite Craftsman on Instagram. We welcome any comments. Please leave us five star reviews on Apple so that we can make more skill madness come your way. See you next time.